Welcome to Chatting with Channing, the podcast for Channing School that lets you, the listener, find out more by hearing from people throughout the whole school community. Each episode, you'll hear real stories from staff, from pupils, from parents and the school's alumni to give you a true reflection of life on Highgate Hill. In this episode, we're getting into catering as we speak to two people. Judith Hibbert is the school's catering manager and she's joined by Chris Stanley, an external consultant who's been working with the school for a number of years. So we're going to hear what life looks like behind the scenes in the catering department, how Judith plans the food choices for the pupils, how she ensures there's the right level of nutrition, while also listening to what the hungry mouths would like to eat. But then we also hear from Chris, who's been consulting with the school on various projects, most recently the renovation of the dining hall. That's all coming up in this episode. So let's jump into a food world as we speak to Judith Hibbert and Chris Stanley. Judith and Chris, welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you very much. Yourself? I'm very well indeed, thanks. Very well. Chris, how are you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I've I've just driven into London today uh, to catch up with Judith, have a look at the new catering space and uh, see how it's all going. And so far, so good. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you've been checking that out because catering is the subject of this particular episode. Judith, we're here recording this on a Thursday afternoon, and this is after lunchtime, which um, I guess is an intentional scheduling, purely so that we can make sure that you're available for it. But tell me how a typical day looks for you being the catering manager at Channing. No two days ever the same. Um, It changes every day, to be honest. You think you're going to come in and kind of do something straight away and then something else crops up. So there's no two days ever the same. Um, Today, basically, I had a couple of consultants that came in to see me. I completely forgot they were coming in. (laughs) (laughs) I just got the, um, you know, a phone call to sort of say, uh, you know, there's people at reception and I thought, oh dear. And um, I just checked my diary again. I thought, oh yes, I do have a meeting today. So it's a bit like that. Um, And then, you know, before even that, I was helping to manage the stores that came in, checking them off, that sort of thing. Um, so it's always pretty busy. See, it's interesting. You mentioned about consultants coming in. You know, that, that's the sort of thing that I'd have no idea that a catering manager gets involved in. Uh, you just kind of imagine that a catering manager is in charge of staff and looking at the food for the day. And you sort of forget that there is that side of the role as well. Yeah, that is correct. I mean, it's great for us here at Channing to have um, consultants, um, really, because sometimes you do need that added help. And the consultants that came in today, the they were um, our procurement team who looks after all our suppliers. Um, so any issues that I may have with a particular supplier, I can sort of call them up um, and for them to kind of um, deal with that, um, so to speak. And also, um, if I need to get a certain item that supplier may not have, they can also deal with that as well. Um, and they try to get the best prices for us. So it's good that we do have them. There's this whole new world that I knew nothing at all about. Judith, tell me a little bit about how you got into this role in the first place. Well, I've always done catering um, since I left school, to be honest, um, but I've always strived to do better or gain better experience. Um, so with this particular job, I've been here now 14 years, Chris. <laughs> goes quick it goes really really quick but I've always um been good at as far as I'm concerned what other people said to me good at um sort of managing staff so that's how I've kind of got into it and having a a a good manager in the background kind of helps as well um so 
it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge. And as I said before, no day is ever the same, which is probably why I'm still here all this time. <laughs> well, we're very glad that you are there because you're the person that knows far more than people like me. Because certainly when it comes to things like putting together a menu, uh, I think I think that I'd probably be the world's worst at this. I'd just kind of decide on what I like and then have that every day on the menu. But how do you go about coming up with the menu and to sort of deciding what's right for the children? but also making sure that it's a, a balanced meal and they're getting all the nutrition that they need. How I get on with it is basically, you kind of more or less know exactly roughly what children like to eat and don't eat. So for instance, when I'm doing the menu, um, I always have to make sure spaghetti bolognese is on um, somewhere along that three weeks menu. I always have to make sure lasagna is on and everything else is in between, between that. And as I said, we always have when I do the menu, I kind of ask the staff, you know, um, because the staff at the moment, we have different different varieties of um, people working, um, so different backgrounds. So we have one from Ecuador, um, one from Africa. So we try and infuse certain things into the menu. And also it's reflecting diversity as well in the school, as well as in the kitchen. So we try and put everything in. And again, we also have the consultants like Chris, that comes in and his team that kind of guide us as well. So it's um, it's kind of three way really. So well four way because we ask the, the students what they what they would like. Um, we have a suggestion box as well, um, and we also do like once a year we we do a survey that the students have as well that they look into. So we kind of look at it and see what they'd like. More times, I mean this time we've looked at looked in the suggestion box and it's this time was sushi. <laughs> So, it's popular. It's yeah, popular. it's very popular and it's, you know, it's kind of a trend as well. So we're looking at ways of how we can do that. Um, but we're also looking at the logistics of that in regards to um, students who has allergies. Sure. And tell me what other kind of suggestions you tend to get in that suggestion box. It's a case of, can we have chocolate, please? Chocolate pudding, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, <laughs> pizza, burgers, you know, fast foody items. Yeah, I guess that's kind of to be expected with children, but but equally there's the need on your part, I'm sure, to ensure that they get the right exactly. diet that they that they should be getting. Yeah, we, we, we have to. Um, you know, if we kept giving them chocolate, then I'm sure the parents would have something to say about that. <laughs> I'm sure that they would do. I'm sure that they would. Now, tell me a little bit about Meat Free Monday. Is it Meat Free Monday and Wednesday that you do it there in school? It is now. It used to be quite a while just on a Monday. Um, and that started, I think, 2009 by Paul McCartney. And I think the, the, the students kind of, um, I think it went global in 2009. And the students obviously kind of liked the idea. So it was a consultant with the students and ourselves to sort of bring in Meat Free Monday. They wanted to kind of not eat so much of the meat. And then I think it was a couple of years ago, other students commented, you know, we want to sort of eat even sort of less meat. So can we have an extra day of meat free? And that's how that came about. So we now have Mondays and Wednesdays as a meat free, free day where, where we can. Gosh, it's amazing that that's two days out of five then where there is no meat. And how's that gone down with parents? I mean, are there any parents that are thinking that actually it shouldn't be like that, that it should only be only be one day at most? Actually, no, nothing from the parents in regards to two days of, of, meat, of meat free, to be honest, nothing. That's you really know, good to hear. What's come about, um, we, we try and do what's trendy um, in regards to 
vegan things. So we, we, we try and put those things into it. So it's quite varied now. But for me doing the menu, actually the two days of meat free is quite handy. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And tell me, Judith, what, what's the favourite thing about your, your, your job? What, what's, the, what's the best part of your job? What's, what's your favourite part of the day, favourite part of the week? Oh, God, favourite. I don't know if it's a favourite per se. As I said, my job is never the same. And I think the variety, um, that's what keeps me going. Um, and um, yeah, it's never the same. So I think if it was monotonous and having the same thing, doing the same thing every single day, I think I'd get really bored easily. Um, but there are days when, you know, I kind of strive when things go not according to plan because then, you know, you kind of got to get out of that and there's a time limit. So you've got to make sure that, um, you know what, whatever come, what may, you have to get this ready. It's got to be on time because I can't have the girls not having any food, that kind of thing. There are other days where well, something happened at the junior school, I have to go to the junior school. Um, so I kind of sort that out as well. And I come back and there might be an event on in the evening. So it's kind of full on. Um, so there are days when it's like not full and you're thinking, oh, is this, what's, what's happening? Is there a function on today? Oh, there's no function. What's happening? You know, so it's kind of, you know, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you busy. So that's for me, that's what I like. So we're just making a good note here. Judith likes a bit of stress in her work. There's, okay, we, we, we've got that now. We've got that. that. <laughs> Not too much, but it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you've said it now, Judith. Now you've got Chris next to you and Chris, you're an external consultant. Tell us a little bit about what your involvement is with the school. How are you connected with the school? Yeah, so we um, do a number of things with the school. So as Judith mentioned, uh, how we get involved to help with dish ideas and We've just got a, a slightly different vision on what happens in education catering because we work with a lot of schools. So we can help Judith and say, do you know what, we've seen this amazing dish at this other school, it works really well, why don't you have a go here? So we're, in, we're influencing from external. We also help kind of troubleshoot. So if there's a, Judith's great on the day to day, but sometimes there's some, there's some bigger things. And actually the project that we've just got involved with, you know, is one of those things where um, if you if you can imagine on those day to day those busy days, lunch has still got to happen. So how how does a project get managed? Well, typically the school asks us to get involved, and and I've had the pleasure of um, working with the school for well as long as Judith has been here actually, uh, so 14 years. <laughs> and in those years, um, I've been asked to help with four large. Um, refurbishment projects so originally the kitchen had a little uh, makeover and the servery had a refresh uh, and then we did the uh, sixth form and then we did the junior school kitchen and there was an extension to the building there as well um, and then just recently you know this summer just gone the new servery and the kitchen update in the uh, senior school so you know for me it's fantastic there's always these other big projects that I can get stuck into I think it highlights to me as well, you know, that Channing is a progressive school. They're thinking and developing all the time, and that's exciting for us. So they keep asking for ideas, and, and we can keep helping to make those ideas reality. I see. Okay. And so you mentioned these different projects. Tell us about the latest one. What's that one all about then? Yeah, so the dining room, um, really, whilst it's uh, it's always been a nice space, it, it, it was just ageing. So it had a... 
not I wouldn't say a dark feel, but you know, there were, the furniture was darker. There were shadows in the room. There was uh, some awkward to get through uh, walking routes. And, and also the uh, servery um, had, had kind of, you know, it was, was serviced well and, and looked good, but could be more modern. So we were asked to do something which in, in my world is, is kind of magic, uh, which is make more square meters without extending the space. Mm. So we had a difficult task of reorganizing the footprint to, to make it better and, and do more for the school. And um, as well as, you know, our influence is also uh, architects involved. So there was other things beyond the kind of catering operation change. So we did the servery counters and the back bar, as we describe it, the area behind the servery and the furniture arrangement and some, some if I may say, some beautiful island uh, uh, cold counters yeah. where the students help themselves to salads and things. So it looks really smart. It's very high street. It's it's it's. It's very modern again, mm. um, and then with the architectural influence, it's it's gone from a dark space to a beautiful bright space. It's really light. It feels bigger, yeah. um, you know, and it's it's a it's a blend of operational design that's that's our part and um, design in in the light and the and the colours and the finishes. It's the extra energy is, now in that dining hall. Yes, yeah, so I I agree. It feels it's because there's more light mm. and there's more movement. It feels that, you know, the customer experience is more energetic yeah. because of that. This is really good to hear because I imagine then that from the from the children's point of view, they they, they might not necessarily know all of the changes that you that you've made, but they'll feel the experience of that and they'll they'll recognize that difference. Yeah, indeed. So we were chatting um, just before we, we came to talk to you here about um, the six formers. So they've got this amazing space up in their own uh, building with a lovely cafe finish and, and you know, nice seating. But at the moment, um, you know, they've got this option to stay in the dining room um, or return to their own space and they typically stay because the new space is, is nice. I mean, there's always this thing about new that's attractive anyway, yeah. but it, it just shows, you know, that kind of vote with your feet element of, of food choice um, you know, it's, it's great to see, you know, they want to hang around because it's, it's nice. And Judith, how much of a help do you find it having someone like Chris coming in, given the fact that he's external, that he's often in, in different schools? Is... <laughs> no pressure, Judith. I can leave if you like. <laughs> no, massively, massively. Um, you know, uh, to be honest, I don't know what I'd do without the consultants. It's like an extra helping hand um for, for me um over the years so yeah i've you know any little thing i can always kind of call up or email um and i know that they're always there you know um so for me that's really really good and this entire project what were some of the main challenges that that you faced yourself judith the main challenge was the actual kitchen itself we had new um, equipment that sort of came in and because of how things are supplier issue um, it was a touch and go moment of um, not getting the ovens in on time for us in September to actually start um, sort of making food for the children. Um, so we just about got it in a few days before um, beginning of term. So it was a kind of last minute thing. So that was a little bit, yeah, very stressful. Yeah, that, that's an unfortunate uh, Europe-wide situation yeah. that's, that's come up this year with supply chain delays. 
But uh, yeah, it it got there, didn't it? It got there, yeah. It got there. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, Chris, you're you're absolutely right that it's you know European wide problem in in many ways a global problem. On the other hand, though, I can just imagine the reaction from some of the parents if they're being told that actually it's just going to be sandwiches for the next month because because you don't have any ovens. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, yes, <laughs> that would have been a problem. It so would have been. actually, it's an extension of the attitude to catering which as Judith has described, you know, lunch is going to happen one way or another, lunch is going to happen. Yeah. And that stretches out, you know, that's something that I grew up with as, as I was learning my trade and I've not forgotten, you know, I know, I know what it's like for Judith. So we do our best, mm. you know, behind the scenes to make sure things turn up and, and make sure things happen. Mm. Chris, what was your experience of food like when you were at school yourself? What were the lunches like at your school? Very forgettable, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I remember we had these things that you, you perhaps won't remember the, the terms or uh, be able to reference the terms, but they were called Grundy tins. And they were these aluminium trays that I think were probably originated from the army. And that's what our lunch was served out of. Oh, and it was very much take it or leave it. You know, there was never any uh, choice really. So I remember things like sausage meat pie with boiled potatoes, which were probably from a tin. And then, you know, your, your dessert was probably, even though you had sausage pie, it's probably apple pie for pudding because it was all um, inexpensive. You know, it was, it was all about um, just dealing with the numbers. And the equipment technology when I was at school was very, very basic. So, you know, a, a gas oven and a gas range, whereas the equipment that Judith now has, um, as do other large high volume catering outlets, is, is technically way in advance. You know, a gas oven is really the equivalent of traveling on a horse. And the modern equipment is much more like driving a Tesla. Gosh, a great way of putting it. I, I re- really like that. Judith, was your experience at school similar to Chris's? Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like my school dinners, I had to say. Some of it I didn't like, but, you know, for me, in the age when they changed it to the fast food, as a child, you sort of went with your friends, your peers. So you sort of went, you know, had fast food. But secretly, I really wanted the proper food. Yeah, the um, yeah um, but thank God we don't have that anymore. And, and the food items that we have now has changed. Because when it was fast food, that's where all the obesity things sort of came in years later. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've gotten better and it's much more healthier and nutritious now. So, so yeah. Of course. Yeah. And it's, especially when, when you look at some of the American schools, you get a lot of that fast food creeping in over there. And, and, and it's great to see that that kind of thing isn't happening in schools like Channing. And, and I think my last question, for, for, probably for you, Judith, is if you're going out for a meal in the evenings, what's your favourite kind of food? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't really have a favourite. It depends how I feel on the, on the day, um, really, and who's taking me out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it another way then. Let's imagine that you could only have one type of food for the rest of your life. That would be a strange situation, wouldn't it? What would you choose? Probably Caribbean. Oh, tell me why. Because I am Caribbean. And, you know, when it comes to jerk chicken and, you know, oxtail and rice and that sort of thing, you just... The spices that you use and everything like that, there's, there's no, you know, I like spice. So for me, yeah, Caribbean, it has to have flavour. I'm going to have to check that one out this weekend. And in fact, Chris, I'm not going to let you go without asking you the same question. What would you go for? Japanese. Ooh. So I just quite, I, I like the kind of fresh, clean flavours. So uh, sushi and sashimi, but then also 
who doesn't like a chicken katsu curry, right? I mean, it's exactly. it's so popular. And yeah, so I, I, I just find that's my kind of my go-to when I'm not sure what to have. I'll, I'll seek out some Japanese. So we've got Japanese and we've got Caribbean. If my geography's right, they must be almost exactly opposite each other on the planet, which is, which is quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bring this to a close now, but Chris and Judith, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being here and giving up your time and explaining what catering is like at Channing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank Good to you. see you. So that was Judith Hibbert and Chris Stanley talking all things food at Channing. Thank you both of you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Really good hearing all about how it looks behind the scenes. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.